And welcome to Detention. Joining us this week for the sports edition of the Detention Podcast, we have David Braun, Vaughn Miller, Iowa versus Michigan, and of course, the College Football Playoff Committee. Yes. So uh, we'll talk, kind of talk about things roughly in that order. Football, Iowa sports, some basketball, and we'll end with a college football playoff uh, debacle. Yeah. Before then, Cody, what do you have to say? So my joke is really, really quick. College football playoff committee. Mm-hmm. That is my joke. That they is are a joke. A, they gotcha. are themselves <laughs> a joke. Uh, this year, really proving that they are yeah. just a humongous uh, asshat. We normally do about a half hour. We're going to make this, everything really quick because we have a lot to say. Yeah. Oh, wait, let me rephrase that. I have a very much a lot to say about this college so, football playoff. So, yeah, we're going to be front-loading with a whole bunch of uh, random bits of information here. So, starting off with the Big Ten Coach of the Year, uh, we are both obviously hoping it would be Kirk Ferentz because of the job that he did with a sh- uh, shit for an offense, but having outstanding defense and special teams. Okay. And going 10-2, and two, making it to the conference uh, championship game. That's a huge thing. Um, however, I'm not disappointed with this pick with the D- Big Ten at all. David Braun, who is named the interim head coach for the uh, Northwestern Wildcats in July after Pat Fitzgerald was fired for allegations of him encouraging and knowing about racial hazing occurring within the program, uh, David Braun was named Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, he finished the regular season with the Wildcats 7-5, and five, which is second in the Big Ten West, actually, uh, going three and four or something like that in conference play. Uh, it's the most wins by a first year Northwestern coach since 1903. Whoa. So that's a really fucking long <laughs> time. Uh, and now they are bowl ed- eligible uh, after going one and 11 last season. And they will play Utah on December 23rd of this year. Um, I think they'll probably lose to Utah. Their defense is just pretty much similar like Iowa's. Uh, but best of luck to them. I don't like Northwestern. For good reason, they tend to beat Iowa, but I'm very happy about this. Yeah, goes to a could have right, been, been a worse coach. It could have been Jim Harbaugh, right, for going 13 and 0. Yep. So you know, and went to missing someone, the majority of the season. Yes, and missing literally half the season. Three games in the front, three games at the end. Four games in the end. Four games at the uh, end. It was four games in the beginning, three games in the end. Okay, so yeah, definitely majority yep. of the season there. Uh, sticking with the Big Ten, Indiana, as we talked about last week, has they fired their head coach. Uh, Tom Allen. Now they have a new head coach. Uh, it is the former James Madison coach, uh, Kurt Signetti. Uh, he was named the Indian head coach this past Thursday. Uh, he was also named the 2023 Sun Belt Conference Coach of the Year for uh, James Madison, who this is their first year, I think, in the FBS or second year second in the year. FBS uh, after being in the FCS for several years. Uh, he led to James Madison to an 11-1 record. Um, James Madison University, I also found this kind of interesting, led the nation in both rushing rushing defense and tackles for a loss per game, and it had a top-20 scoring offense and scoring defense, so they're pretty damn good this year. Uh, in the five seasons at as head coach at James Madison University, uh, Signetti went 52-9, and uh, 31-4 and in conference play. And then prior to being in the FBS, uh, James Madison won three CAA titles in the FCS uh, before it transitioned. So I think that's a good hire at coach, obviously moving from a kind of lower group of five school from the Sun Belt to a power five Big Ten school um, is going to be a huge challenge. Especially with all the 
parts moving next year. Yep. With the new uh, teams coming in next year to the Big Ten, um, hopefully he's able, and this has worked some with Michigan State, especially if you hit the transfer portal and you can get a lot of decent guys in, who knows? You can make a splash. Yeah. Uh, but it is Indiana, and their record uh, as of the entirety is that they're a football school, or not? they're not a football school, they're a basketball school. Uh, the funny thing about this is that he was introduced during a timeout in a basketball game. Was he really? Yeah. Fun fact. Interesting. Well, like in person yeah. or just over the intercom? Yeah, over the intercom. Like he was there. Okay, well, that's that's what I'm yeah. saying. Is like, was he actually there? Yeah. Or they're just like, hey, also, by yeah. the way, um, this is our new head coach. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Well, good luck to the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Von Miller is going to be our next subject. Uh, he had a warrant out for his arrest. Uh, he had turned himself in last Thursday for allegations of him allegedly assaulting a pregnant woman. Uh, further investigation shows that it is a woman that he knows and is, well, po- and is <laughs> potentially the father of the child for. Ah. So that's where things get a little weird. Uh, Miller turned himself into the Glen Heights, Texas Police Department in Dallas last Thursday. He faces a charge of third-degree felony assault of a pregnant woman, which could be punishable up to two to ten years in prison and a fine of ten thousand uh, dollars. Like she is six weeks pregnant. Um, this is kind of what I read is what had happened for the assault. So uh, Miller stepped on after having an argument with her. Miller stepped on her feet and pushed her, which caused her to fall into a chair. He applied pressure to her neck for three to five seconds, which caused pain but did not dis- but not produce any difficulty breathing. Uh, Miller also reportedly took her phone and laptop and broke them. Then when she tried to retrieve it, he pulled her hair, causing her to fall to the ground and a chunk of her hair to come out. And this is what I find the most, the weirdest part of this whole story is that he... Was had a warrant out for his arrest. All these things happened to her. There's physical evidence and pictures taken at the scene because he fled the scene after he assaulted this woman, allegedly assaulted this woman, I should say, probably. Um, and then in a text exchange Thursday night with the police department in Dallas, the woman called the incident, quote, a huge misunderstanding and said, quote, no one assaulted anyone. Yet when police arrived, they could see that there were at least some uh, marks on her neck of early bruising um, and a chunk of hair missing, um, and that she clearly had bumps and scrapes uh, from being pushed into a chair. So I don't know how this could be seen as no one was assaulted. I don't know why she would tell the police this other than the fact that he's, you know, I guess, assumed the father of the baby of this lady, but... I wouldn't say that excuses the fact that he assaulted you. So I'm not obviously trying to put blame on her, but there's something kind of weird about that situation. I don't know if it's just she feels guilty about everything and that because of this, she feels that she's causing his career to get in jeopardy or whatever, but who the fuck cares, woman? Uh, this guy assaulted you. I'm. You need to at least try to stay true. I don't know how bad that's coming off but like no man puts their hands on you so like please don't let this guy get away with it right so no fault of her own it just seems a little fishy on my end all right moving into iowa sports news so we want to talk about the big 10 championship game for iowa versus michigan um 
Did you see Lee Corso picked Iowa to beat Michigan? Three of the five did. Three of the five. Pat uh, McAfee, Theo Vaughn, who's just their celebrity guest picker, and then um, Lee Corso, which I when I saw that Saturday morning, I'm like, hell, Iowa might actually have a chance. And then watching the first half of the game, I'm like, damn, Iowa might have a chance. Didn't end up that way, obviously. Michigan beat Iowa 26-0. to It could have been less. 17 of the 26 points that Michigan scored came off of either a turnover, a turnover on downs, or a very good field position after a special teams fiasco. So you got to imagine that three plays there um, could have negated possibly 17 points, which in that case, 9-0 going into the fourth quarter. If your offense isn't doing as much, you got to at least try to get two possessions to get two scores. Not impossible, improbable for sure for Iowa's offense, but it at least it looked like it could have been salvageable if things went a little bit more Iowa's way. Um, defense did all that it could, obviously, with, with what the offense kind of gave them and left them with. Um, Torrey Taylor, I think, had a pretty good night. He had a 68-yard punt. Um I don't, I don't think that's the longest of his career, but it's definitely up there with one of his top punts. Oh, yeah. um, I saw Pat McAfee was at the game, and he was taking videos of Torrey Taylor punting, and he was having a hell of a time watching him do it, um, which is always good to have a kind of celebrity like that shout out your punter. Uh, offense couldn't do a single thing and couldn't convert down on fourth downs when they needed him to. Um if they, this is going back to just the regular season in, in total, if Iowa had somewhat of a remotely competent offense, Iowa wins this game. Oh, God, yeah. And I wouldn't say that they could have beaten like Penn State in Happy Valley in a whiteout. I'm not saying they could have done that. They definitely could have beaten Minnesota. They could have beaten Michigan in this game because Michigan's offense compared to Iowa's defense was not having that much success. No, it really wasn't. And it was completely starch contrast of what it was two years ago in 2021 when Iowa played them. Iowa's defense looked fucking gassed in the second half and mm-hmm. could not stop Michigan for whatever. On Saturday, they, they really the, didn't have the that defense. Problem. The defense, the entire game, was at least just mitigating everything that they possibly could. They had it's just, one or two good plays. It's just Iowa's deep or offense could not do anything. And then, like I said, those turnovers and turnover on downs put Michigan's offense in a very good field position that gave them opportunity to score. So I wholeheartedly believe that this season's lack of a championship when there clearly could have been one, even with the injuries on our offense, I'm I'm placing a lot of that blame on Brian Ferentz because it's, I think, deserved in that aspect. Um, Iowa will go on to play Tennessee in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, and then Michigan, will, who finished 13-0 in Big Ten champs, is now the number one seed in the college football playoff, which we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, before we get into basketball, I want to talk about Iowa's award winners. So... There's really only a few of them that I wanted to talk about, all of them basically being defense or special teams. Cooper DeGene uh, won Big Ten first-team all-defense. So did Jay Higgins. 
Uh, Cooper DeGene also got the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. Uh, This is Iowa's sixth Defensive Back of the Year award since 2012, and the award first started in 2011. So in the last 13 years, Iowa has had six of those. Not too fucking bad. Uh, Cooper DeGene also got Big Ten Return Specialist of the Year. I think that's well awarded to him. Tory Taylor got Big Ten Punter of the Year. This is the second time that he's gotten this award. His first one was in 2020. Um, he is the first Big Ten punter to get the award twice. So that's a big shout-out to him. And then Sebastian Castro got Big Ten second team, which I don't quite understand. I mean, almost in every game, the announcers would specifically pick him out and talk about his skill set and how much he's progressed and just the presence that he has and his position on defense. And let alone making that fucking uh, Nebraska running back, his fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. Where he's, one, getting blocked by a different guy, and then the running back comes around and... Sebastian just shoulder checks him and fucking throws him into the dirt. That was so funny. Made him look like nothing. That was so funny. And they're not even like drastically different size of human. No. The running back in Sebastian Castro. He just had it in him to just knock him to the fucking ground. And it's beautiful to watch. And if anyone (laughs) wants to watch it, I highly recommend it. That was a good one. Um, But those are the big award winners. Iowa's offense had a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even think any of them, maybe a couple of the linemen made it to third team, all big 10, but that was the extent of it. Right. So um, not a whole lot of news on offense, clearly. All right. You forgot the one. Spencer Petrus oh. announced on social media he's transferring to Utah State. Which is great. I Again, I hope he does well. I hope he's a starter. Yeah. And I hope he lights it up. Agreed. Because I, I'm 100% guaranteeing that the scheme that they'll have will allow him to do so. Yeah. and We'll he, have to watch a game. We'll have to pay attention to him. I want to see how he actually does yeah. in a different scheme with a different offense and see what he's actually capable of. Because I think Iowa did limit him <laughs> a decent amount with Brian Ferentz being there. All right, basketball news. Yeah, so I said last week that we were going to talk about the in-season tournament because it's about to start. So just to... Get you set up. So we had six groupings. Here are the winners of each group. You had the Pacers beat the Cavs, Sixers, Hawks, and Pistons. You had the Bucks clinch it against the Knicks, the Heat, the Hornets, and the Wizards, but the Knicks did get the wild card in the East. And then the last one in the East was the Celtics, who beat out the Magic, the Nets, the Raptors, and the Bulls. It's um, a pretty weak division Honestly, there. the Magic... I mean, the Magic have been actually doing, doing really better. well. But um, for compared to the other, I guess, groupings, that one seemed the weakest to me. Yeah, I agreed. Um, in the West, the Lakers beat the Suns, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies with the Suns getting the wild card. You had the Pelicans beat their group of the Rockets, Mavericks, Nuggets, and Clippers, which should have been a harder uh, group. With the wasn't. Clippers and the Mavericks in there, you think yeah, that would have been a little bit tougher? Uh, but Nuggets were fourth, Clippers were fifth. So it went Pelicans, Rockets, Mavericks, Nuggets, and Clippers, which is weird. Mm. Um, and then Group C, the Kings won with um, against the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Spurs. Um, how it worked is each group, whoever led the group, won. The wild card was uh, determined by point differential, so they just ran the shit out of the points, mm-hmm. which is why the Suns won. They had a plus 34. 
Uh, closest one after that in the West was uh, the OKC Thunder at plus 24. So the Suns won in the e- or the West. Pretty comfortable margin. And then the Knicks had a plus 42 margin. Uh, the next closest was the Cavaliers at the plus 29. So. Also a pretty good margin. Yeah. So that is how it's set up. So how the bracket's looking right now is you have tomorrow on Tuesday, the Lakers versus the Suns and the Bucks versus the Knicks. And then apparently tonight you have the Kings and Pelicans and the Pacers Celtics. So I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that the Lakers are going to beat the Suns. I think the Pelicans are going to beat the Kings because the Kings have been super up and down. Um, then I'm going to go with the Bucks beating the Knicks. And I think the Celtics are going to beat the Pacers. And then from that, I think it'll be the Lakers and the Pelicans. It'll be the Lakers versus the Pelicans, but I think yeah. the Lakers are going to win. Then you'll have the Bucks versus the Celtics. I think the Bucks are actually going to pull this one away. Uh, no, actually, no. I'm going to go with the Celtics because there's like $500,000 on the line. So it'll be Lakers, Celtics. I'm going to go with Celtics. Okay. So you're going to do a classic East-West matchup. Yeah. Okay. Um, imagine the first in-season tournament is probably going to be that. That'd be kind of cool. So the first... Meaning like the first, just the season or the first, no, like just the, in the history? It's the first in-season tournament. Of, mm. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Of ever, but I didn't know if they were planning on doing a second one. Uh, they might next year. Because well, apparently ratings are up. Yeah, I meant like just this year, though. Oh, no, it's just this That'd one. be pretty cool if they did, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how that's set up. Okay. All right. I don't have any disagreements with that. Do you want to get into the yeah. college football playoff talk? Okay. Okay. I'm going to just start by saying this. I am so annoyed. So here, before we get into the reason why we're annoyed, the final four teams that were given were Michigan one, Washington two, which I fucking called at least being in the final four. Right. Because everyone was discounting them. Don't know why. Um, Washington, Texas at three. Which I'm okay with. I'm totally fine with Texas going in three. They're conference champs. Right. They have one loss to Kansas, which is kind of a quality loss. Oklahoma. No, they beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma State. They lost to somebody. Kansas. I don't think it was Kansas. It was Kansas. Their one loss was to Kansas. Pretty certain. And then, where everyone has a huge uh, crux for and confusion and anger and disgust, is that Alabama came in at the number four spot after beating the previous number one ranked team, Georgia, in the SEC uh, Conference Championship game. So that's Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma? Yeah. Okay. So then that's their, the final four, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Now, um, Alabama was ranked like seventh or eighth. eighth, And then Texas was ranked seventh, I think, because they had to have been above them prior. Alabama's one loss was to Texas. Yep. So that makes sense that Texas is ranked above Alabama. Yes. But let's get into what your biggest uh, so thing besides is. the fact that I lost five dollars on this bet, <laughs> um, it's the fact that the entire way since the college football playoffs was started, which has been eight years, they have pretty much said if you win every single game, you win, like you're in, which makes sense. Who have you lost to? You have been proven that you cannot be beat. Let's see if you can get beat. The only other determining factor is like there's five power five 
conferences. Mm-hmm. If for whatever reason there's a undefeated conference champ from all Power Five schools, now we have to determine. Then something. you determine strength of schedule, strength of record, right. who have you beaten, the extra stuff that would then determine why you would be in versus another school. But right now we have a 13-person selection committee that says, nope, a Florida State team who went 12 and 0 in the regular season, who won their conference tournament, or not tournament, but their conference championship. Mm-hmm. Was it pretty? No. But they won their conference championship. Mm-hmm. They're not good enough to beat any of these other teams. And so we're going to stick Alabama in there because they're on their third-string quarterback. Well, they're one, to be specific, they're uh, an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, Florida State, from the ACC. Yep. They're saying is not better than a one-loss Big 12 or one-loss SEC championship team. Right, that's what they're saying. Um, I don't. Again, I don't quite understand it. You look at the numbers next to the name. One's going to say thirteen and one or thirteen and zero. The other ones are going to say twelve and one. Right, and you know, to be fair, because I've I've had this debate with other people, and I've seen it a million times since, like they came out. Maybe these teams, per the eye test, like Alabama, it they sure they might be better than Florida State. But they haven't been beaten. True. You don't know. You can't make that argument because Florida State has not lost a game. Right. I I have seen so many arguments talking about, well, Florida State is going to be piss pounded. Like there was one apparently that Stephen A. Smith said that you have to look no further than TCU because they got demolished in the national championship game. Yeah. But they still had to play another team to get there. Exactly. That is the argument that everyone kept blowing up. Is they that had they to play, had to get there? They had to play Michigan, yeah, an and, undefeated Big Ten. And going champion. into that game, people were like, "Oh, TCU doesn't stand a chance." And then it was a really good game. And they it was ended a good game. It was back and forth. Yeah, TCU pulled it out and got it. Yeah. So because of that logic, you can't use it because they had to get there. Mm-hmm. You don't know what Florida State would have done. Going with their other one that everyone was talking about, they said that because... Because it would have been, in that case, it would have been Florida State versus Washington. Two versus three. Yeah. Michigan would have played Texas if that was the, the right. fourth person, in which that's how, that's how, it, how should, it should have been. That's how it should have been. Washington and Florida State, I think in my mind, would have been a very interesting game because they have very similar playing styles. Well, you also look at the argument of getting blown out too, right? Mm-hmm. There's another one. There's another uh, person combating that saying, look at every year, there's a blowout in the semifinals. Ohio State blew out Clemson one year. Yeah. Clemson blew out Notre Dame one year. Right. It happens. Alabama blew out Cincy. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. It happens. Like, you, you're going to say because there was one blowout in a national championship game that it's going to happen every... It does happen every year, just in the semis. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't have happened if Florida State was playing Michigan or Florida State was playing Washington. They probably would not have gotten blown out. Their defense has actually been pretty good for the majority of the year. And the second argument with the fact that they're on their third-string quarterback and they're not with their star starting quarterback... So therefore, you could say that just the strength of the team overall is weaker than what Alabama would provide. Which is also bullshit because my biggest argument is, look at Cardell Jones. First year in the uh, college football playoffs... Ohio State loses their star quarterback. Granted, Cardell had two games, or no, a game and a half yeah. to really f- figure it out. But he's still third string. Exactly. 
He hadn't played really all year. Mm-mm. He was. There's a reason why you're third string at a top school like that. Exactly. And to be honest, he played well above what he was initially going to be in for playing. So Florida State lost their starting quarterback. They played their last game with their backup. Mm-hmm. He got injured, and then their third string came in and beat Louisville. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't pretty. But they still won. They still did what they needed to do to find a way to win. Mm-hmm. And they did it. Yes. So how are you going to seriously sit here and tell me that this team cannot overcome adversity and figure it out? Especially when you have a month to plan. Yeah, close to it. Yeah. So you're going to seriously sit here and tell me that a team in Florida State who n- now really has something to prove to everybody that just because our star quarterback went down does not mean we can't do it. If you give them a month to prepare, you seriously going to sit here and tell me that they can't figure it out? Yeah. It's absolutely bullshit. And the bet that I lost was that if Florida State ended up winning, mm-hmm. that they would get in and not Alabama. And I'm not mad that I lost the bet because, you know, it's a bet. It's fine. I'm mad at the reason as to why I lost the bet is because that should never have happened, not only by precedent, but just by how the record has always been. So, well, I guess precedent, but like (laughs) you go undefeated. You're pretty much guaranteed a spot because of the fact that you have not been up against somebody who can beat you. Mm -hmm. That's what it's supposed to be. It it is supposed to be the battle of the the biggest guys and the biggest guys haven't lost yet. Mm -hmm. There's three power five teams who haven't lost yet. And one of them's out. Exactly. And I get the idea that not only out, but like they're uh, ranked sixth. I don't know. Like I, don't know I who think fifth would be. I think Georgia? Georgia technically leapfrogged, and they're fifth. So you're telling me that a one loss, not SEC champion, is better than an undefeated ACC yeah champion? I've seen so many talks about or conspiracies about how it's all about money. And it absolutely is. Well, I mean, that's what a you, lot of the playoffs have been keep for sure. The SEC out. It's SEC bias for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, and somebody had made this comment about how it's so blatant with ESPN because ESPN has a media deal with the SEC. And before the announcement, there was an SEC ad. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, of course you're going to throw the SEC in there because everything that um, the college football playoffs does runs through ESPN. Yeah. So they're not only have their SEC media deal, but now they have everything playoffs. Why not put an SEC team in there? It's just going to get more money. Mm-hmm. I still find that asinine because that's not how that should work. And I I showed you this before we started recording is uh, Mike Greenberg on Get Up this morning was furious. And he made so many good points. And I'm just going to talk about a couple of them. His comparison of what just happened, and it's a very good comparison. He said he said that with this selection, you turned college football into figure skating. And what he means by that is, and he actually said it the best, was subjectivity versus objectivity. Subjectivity is what happens in figure skating when you can't really tell who's the better figure skater. But it's being done by judges who say, this looks better to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas football is an objective game, what do you need to do? You need to win. You need to get a knock in the W column and not a knock in the L column. Florida State has done that 13 times. Mm -hmm. With adversity. Yes. Alabama has done it 12 times with one loss. 
The objective is pretty simple. Win or lose. Mm-hmm. You know how to do it. So how are you going to have 13 people come in and say, you did what the object of the game is, but you're still not good enough. Like the whole point of the playoff idea was to get rid of the BCS national championship idea of like the eye test and how people come into the championship game because it's pretty much just favoritism. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it as uh, the BCS was an even, yeah, prior to that was this is who we believe is number one and who we believe is number two. Exactly. I'm going to let this uh, point go across is that for a, a little bit of time in the BCS, no knock to Boise State because I like Boise State. Boise State was ranked in the top five for a couple of years along with like Ohio State or Alabama or other teams that could fucking wipe the floor with them. Yeah. Now, I shouldn't say that as as confidently as I should be because they did beat Oklahoma, who is traditionally a powerhouse team, mm-hmm. in a bowl game, in the Fiesta Bowl in 07. So they, they do have at least some argument like, well, we did belong because we beat a top fucking right. blue blood team in football. Okay, in one game right. that you had to do a couple of trick plays in order to win. No offense to that either, but I'm just saying, if the BCS ruling was that Boise State is up there with those class of teams, you're kind of fucking wrong. Right. So going along with this, of like, well, this whole purpose is to kind of help get rid of that and actually have the true best teams playing against each other, you still haven't moved away from that because you are still including a team, Alabama, who may look really good because after they lost to Texas in their non-conference game, they went undefeated the rest of the way. Right. Cool, but they still lost a game to Texas, right? Who, yes, you could say is in the college football playoffs, so they lost to a top three team, but that does not put them at number four because you have another team that's undefeated. They yeah. they did their job. Yeah, and Green Greeny actually used a really good example too in that same tirade of comparing it to the NFL. Right, you get fourteen teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He said, just get a bunch of old heads and people who used to play the game, get a committee together and just say, who are the best 14 teams? Like at that point, you might as well not even play the game. Yeah. Like what's the point? What is the actual point of playing 13 games when you're going to sit here and have some other people say, Nope, you don't get in. There's, there's zero point. And my friend, Josh who's who I made the bet with. He brought up a good point too. Is like, well, you're pretty much saying that the conference games at that point are null and void. Well, with the expansion of the college football playoffs, next they year, are. Yeah, next year, yeah, it doesn't matter. It you, really doesn't matter. If Especially since, you know, let's say the, the Big Ten's moving to 18 teams next year. Yeah. And they're not they're no longer going to do divisional things. It's just the top two teams with the, biggest, the highest records right. or whatever are going to be playing each other, like what the Big 12 has been doing. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State could win the t- conference technically, but then Oregon could also be in the playoffs, and they're the runner-up in the Big Ten. Exactly, and then eventually could beat them. Yeah. So, I mean, to his point, he is right. These playoff, these championship games will not matter, and they clearly don't right now mm-hmm. because it's always, always been said that one of the biggest considerations is record, strength of the schedule, and if you are a conference championship. Mm-hmm. Florida State hits every single one of those markers. Yes. And having a difficult strength of record. and Especially towards schedule. the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, they beat uh, Kentucky. Or no, they, that's Louisville. Never mind. I'm speaking a different team. 
the runner up to the ACC. It just, it's asinine to me that you have this precedent set that if you're undefeated, you're a power five champion, that those are the two biggest things that we're really trying to get. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I want to go back to this because it irritates me is they keep saying, well, your quarterback's injured. So what? Yeah. It's next man up mentality. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Team versus team. One guy does not make the entire team. No. And I, and I understand how important the quarterback position is to football. I, I'm very aware of that. I hate it, but I'm very aware of it. Mm-hmm. You can't seriously sit here and tell me, especially in college, that when one guy goes down, you can't have another fill-in. Like, that's, that's the point. Especially since in the first Injuries year. Injuries happen. Yeah, especially, again, going back to the example, in the first year of the playoff, you allowed a team that when the first rankings came out for college football for the playoff that year, Ohio State was ranked in the teens. Yeah. And then they keep winning, and they keep getting closer and closer, and then they get themselves in and then win it. Right. With a third-string quarterback. Yep. Florida State has been ranked in the top five all season. Yeah. So why are they kicked, yeah. why are they kicked out now? That's an, that's an even better example. All fucking season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I could just go on and say the same shit over and over the again. One, the one thing I want to talk about, and it's a video that I showed you before we recorded too, is that the guy that I was listening to, he's from CBS Sports. I don't know his name because I saw it on TikTok, and I don't think it has his name attached to it. But he was pretty livid about it, specifically with a point of like the SEC technically is in a down year. Yeah. He, and he says it's a slight down year. They're not as dominant as they have been in years past, but they were – like sub 500 with conference games outside of their own. So like if the SEC played an ACC team or whatever, right? They are sub 500 overall as a conference. So they're a little bit weaker. And because of that, there's really no reason. And their best win, he said, that the SEC had outside of its own conference was when Kentucky beat Louisville, who was the ACC runner up. And that was the last game of the fucking regular season. If that's your best win for a conference that you can say, yep, the SEC is stronger than all ever conferences, that's kind of a problem because uh, Kentucky was 6-5 and five going into that game. So they're not that good of a team either. I'm also tired of hearing the whole SEC is better than everybody because they have the best players. So does the NFL. And those guys beat the shit out of each other week to week to week to week. Who cares? Green Bay just beat Kansas if, City last if night. If you want to... Here's my thing. If you want to actually be taken seriously, mm-hmm. play other good teams. I'm so tired of seeing the SEC in week 11 and 12 play some, like, no-nut school and yeah. just beat the fucking piss out of them. What's the fucking point? You're just literally just doing it to add a thing to your record, like add a w- win to your column. Like, if you want to be the best, beat the best. Yeah, sure, you might have a harder conference, but maybe, like – Four teams? I mean, overall, yeah, they play one less conference game. I would argue in a heartbeat that the Big Ten is better in depth than the SEC. I would also argue that you could make the argument that the Pac-12 this year was bigger in depth. I think the Pac-12 was overall the best football conference this season. Oh, God. And and I knew that obviously things were going to get a little bit uh, harder towards the end of the season because you had them all literally playing each other where – Oregon and Washington were ranked pretty much all season. Washington State at one point was ranked before they had to start playing other teams and were getting piss-pounded. USC was ranked in the top five this season. They finished unranked. Um, 
Colorado jumped into the top 25 for a hot minute before they got piss pounded by every, every other Pac-12 team. USC, Oregon, UCLA played well. UCLA was ranked for like a week or two. Uh, Oregon State was kind of the big surprise being ranked pretty much most of the entire season and are still, I think, technically ranked, but they got beat by Washington and Oregon. Utah was also ranked at the beginning of the season. I think they have since fallen out of the rankings, but I, fin- I think they finished 8-4 and four or something like that. So it's like the conference, the Pac-12, was so fucking deep this year, and that's where a lot of my disdain towards, especially when the college football playoff rankings came out, and ESPN was doing these mock percentages of like chances of making the college football playoff, and Washington was always the 6th, 7th, or 8th team that they think could even make it in with a very low percentage. And the entire season, they're beating every team. So even when they're going 9-0, 10-0, 11-0, they still had Oregon beating Washington to get into the college football playoff. And I'm just like, I don't understand where this weird analytical hatred is coming from. This team, in a Power 5 conference, is beating all of their ranked opponents, home and away. All I, all I know is I hope that Michigan beats Alabama. I hope Washington beats Texas because Texas is going to be an SEC team next year. Yep. And I hope it's just a slugfest between the Big Ten, the future Big Ten teams. Yeah. I really do. Um, But yeah, like I said, I could go on for hours going over the same shit over and over again. But that's my biggest gripe. This was absolutely atrocious to not only Florida State as a program, but those players who will never get to play in a game and prove that they could have won whether or not they would have won who knows but not this is not even getting a chance is just it blows my mind and i feel for those kids like that is so unfortunate mm-hmm. because the coaches might get a chance to be in that game again but these players never will no, so especially the seniors on this team yeah who came back for a championship and they got just screwed mm-hmm. so fuck the college football playoff committee that was absolutely the wrong call uh because those players did everything that they should have done to get to that point, and you just fucked them from it. So, And for an extra measure, fuck Paul Feinbaum. Anyway. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, we will end this week's uh, sports edition of the Detention Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen as well. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.